Welcome to the Our Infinite God podcast. We seek to encourage the local church to grow in right belief and right action by meditating on our infinite God. We believe that right understanding of our infinite God will give us a clearer picture of everything else. My name is Philip Long. And my name is Alex Cook. Welcome to the podcast. Hey, Philip. Hey, Alex. How you doing? I'm doing pretty well, man. How are you? Doing good. We're doing another podcast. Yeah, it's good to be uh, good to be with you today. We've got the privilege of doing an interview. These have definitely been some of my favorite uh, episodes last season. We're doing yeah. some of our interviews. Really enjoyed connecting with some people. And you have uh, set up our interview today, and I'm really excited about it. So tell me about tell me about what we're doing today. Yeah, our guest is Ross Eastup, and he is, well, I'll let him introduce himself. How's it going? It's going well. Thank you guys for having me on. I appreciate it. Um, I'm the pastor at Crescent Hill Baptist in Pickens, South Carolina. I've been here for eight years, so I uh, started in February of 2012, um, and uh, before that I was a uh, graduate of North Greenville University. Um, so yeah, that's about it. Uh, interviewing me is kind of crazy because there's not much going on over here. <laughs> not true. Not true. Not true. You're faithful to a congregation for eight years. There's a lot to talk about. Yeah. Well, I, I think you have to be in a congregation for a while to really see any change. Um, yeah. Yeah. A lot of times you see young pastors, especially fresh out of college or seminary, that look at some of the roles as a stepping stone to something else. And, yeah. uh I think especially if you're moving right into a senior position, a senior pastor position, um, you've got to invest time and get to know the folks. So it's been a joy to be here. We've had challenges. It was a, a small congregation when I came, an older congregation, and it's it's kind of remained that way. Um, but we're, we're preaching the gospel and, and trying to get... Um, trying to move to the place where we're being more faithful to God's word and, and do more things that hopefully we'll see growth. That's great. Amen. That's great. So you went to North Greenville. Where are you from originally? Born and raised in Pickens. In Pickens, right? Yeah. yeah that's yeah, great. So this, but this is not your home church? No. Okay. Um, home church is Blue Ridge View, which is probably three miles away as, okay. the, as the crow flies. Um, spent a little time at a church in Greenville um, that was... Not really an Orthodox church, I guess you could say. Um, was there for about five years, kind of just, um, I guess, theologically confused. Yeah. Um, yep. And then worked my way back to Blue Ridge View, and then I was uh, ordained uh, out of that church. That's great. Yeah. That's great. Uh, you're married? I am married. Uh, I have a son, seven years old, who will likely interrupt us <laughs> at some point. <laughs> Uh, so apologize for that. Uh, yeah, have been married uh, for 13 years. Wow. Uh, but yeah, happily married 13 years. We dated for quite a while before that. We started dating um, right out of high school. Um, so we've been together for a while. That's awesome. That's yeah. awesome. Well, we really appreciate you taking time. And we've kind of got a uh, an assortment of questions to just throw at you, see which ones stick, and uh, which just uh, get your get your perspective on some some things that we wanted to ask you about. So uh, we thought we'd start with this one. What are some misconceptions you've seen about the church? Yes, yeah, so I, I kind of looked at this from two different ways because I wasn't sure um, 
if you're if you're talking misconceptions about the church from within the church or from outside of the church, like so yes, kind of have some from both. <laughs> um, but I, I think probably for the sake of this podcast, uh, talk first about misconceptions within the church. Yeah, yeah. Um, one is, and most people aren't going to admit this, but but the idea that church is there for their satisfaction to some yeah. degree. Yeah. And we generally say entertainment, but I mean, if you go up to a hundred. Christians and you say, hey, you're you at your church for the purpose of entertainment. Nobody's going to say, yeah, man, I'm here to be entertained. Right. Um, but the way that they respond to church, their activity level in church really belies the fact that they do view church more as something for them to receive rather than for yeah. them to give. Yeah. And that's something that we've seen here. You yeah. know, being a smaller church, being an older congregation at Crescent Hill, um, you know, we've seen younger folks that would come in or, or even middle-aged couples that would come in with kids already and they would come and, and just because of where we were at the time, didn't really have many options ministry wise, kids, things going on, youth yeah. things going on. Um, and you show up in that type of situation and don't get me wrong. I mean, I want to be gracious about this. I understand that's a difficult thing. If you go to a church, um, yeah. and you have kids again, like I said, I've got a seven year old and, and most of the time, well, pretty much 90% of the time that he's been here with us, he's really been the only kid. Um, so I, I identify with that and I understand that. But I think when we have the proper perspective of what the church is supposed to be, um, and it's something that we're pouring into, mm-hmm. then hopefully you come into a congregation like that and you see the need and you say, hey, you know, they need a youth program or they need a child uh, ministry we can we can help with that. We can yeah. work towards that. Generally, that's just not the response. I mean, I, I'm sure y'all have heard the statistic that 80 percent of the work is done by 20 percent of the people, mm-hmm. and um, a lot of times that holds true. So, just that that mindset that you know, not what can I do for the church, but what can I, the church do for me? Is um, that what JFK said? Yes, pretty close. <laughs> pretty close. Yeah, yeah. Or the country. Um, so, yeah, and you see the consumer-driven mentality through right, that. You see right. the church hopping um, as soon as, um, you know, one ministry is canceled at one church. And if that's a ministry they really wanted, then they'll move and find that somewhere else. Yeah. Um, and, and I think you also see it in the lack of involvement mm-hmm. that we see in, in our churches, even just in regular attendance, that if all this is is just something to satisfy me, um I can be more satisfied out on the lake on Sunday. Yeah. You know, yeah. Um, when, so, when it's not convenient, then that's right. Not so it just really shows that, that flippant attitude um, that many have towards regular church attendance. And, you know, honestly, a lot of our churches don't do a very good job of, of explaining why regular attendance is important and, yeah. and really enforcing that. Um, it is so true. I think listening to Tim Keller years ago talking about how so many people in the church have a consumeristic mentality uh, with the church and what can I get out of it? And uh, so the second question is, why is the church important? Can you be a Christian without going to church? And specifically, you're just talking about, well, you know, if I'm just what I can get out of it, well, I can get a lot more out of just hanging out at the lake. (laughs) And so, yeah, so why is the church important? Can you be a Christian without going to church? Short answer to the first question is church is important because it conditions us for heaven. Mm. Um, everything that we're going to enjoy in heaven for all of eternity, we get glimpses and foretastes of in the church. Yeah. Mm. So worship, 
is essential in the church. The worship that we have in church with the brethren is preparing us for the worship that's going to be going on for all of eternity. Mm. We know the Bible says that when we gather together, it's for the purpose of edification, for exhortation. The whole idea of iron sharpening iron really can't take place effectively outside of the local church context. Yeah. And and that goes beyond regular church attendance, but it's certainly yeah. nothing less than regular church attendance. Yep. So... You, you've heard pastors say, you know, if you, if you don't like church, you're not going to like heaven. Yeah. And, and it's kind of a flippant thing to say, but I think it's really true when you think about it, that if you don't have a desire to be with God's people in God's house on the Lord's day, um, then you have to really question whether or not your affections are being tuned to the affections of Christ. And, mm. and just remember the fact that we're supposed to love what Jesus loves. Yeah. And Jesus loves his bride. Yeah. So if Jesus loves his bride and we don't, then there's a heart issue there that's significant. So the second question, can you be a Christian and not be actively involved in church or plugged into a local church? I would say you cannot be a healthy Christian without being plugged into a local church. And that if if I have a conversation with you and I find out that for whatever reason... And we've heard them all. But I, I don't think you can be a healthy, growing Christian and not have a desire to be with God's people. I want to I wanna interrupt real quick because I think we could make a little bit of a clarification here. It's like, okay, we live in the United States of America. Nobody is going to haul us off to jail for going to church. Yeah, at least right now. And so, but... There's other places like North Korea, uh, that, uh, many places in the Middle East and in, in Asia and China where they don't have that luxury. And so like this question would, is, would be a little bit different for them yeah. because they may not physically be able to go to church or they may have to do a secret church like once a month or something. And so, but this question's aimed more about the person who calls himself a Christian here in the States. Yeah but has no desire whatsoever to be affiliated with a local body. Yeah. And I would just say I would have grave concerns about that person's salvation. Yeah. I, I'm not I'm not comfortable from a biblical perspective saying absolutely no, they're not saved, um, but they're not growing. Yeah. They're not maturing. Um, again, whatever the reason was or reasons, I'm sure you all heard this as well. I'm, I'm just bringing the little quips with me today. Um, you know, if you if you go to McDonald's and, and you get a stomach virus from eating at McDonald's, you don't just swear off of food for the rest of your life. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay, so you've had a bad experience at church. I understand. We're broken people. We we sin. We make mistakes. Um, you, you don't just swear off of the church. Um, that's something for you to grow. The edification, the the, uh, the process of sanctification that's taking place inside yeah. of the church, the accountability that we're supposed to have in church. And just yeah. none of those things can take place if you have that long ranger Christian mentality. Yeah. In addition to that, the church is important for the outreach that we have to the world around us. Mm-hmm. Um, we're to be salt and light. We do that best together. Yeah. Um, now, you're the only Christian in your workplace, then you're salt and light there and you're doing what you're supposed to be doing. But it's so much sweeter, it's so much more effective 
when we're together, unified heart, unified mind, um, pushing back the darkness that's in the world together. So, yeah. Yeah, I think it's Mark Dever that, that says, you know, the church is the gospel made visible. Yeah, yeah. Um, so that, again, that implies you have to be together with the church. And mm-hmm. if that's small groups, if that's house church, whatever, that's a whole different discussion. Um, but you can't be a healthy Christian apart from other believers. Amen. That's good. That's good. Well, that, that connection, especially outward, is kind of what we're thinking of. The next question here, can you define the church without missions? And why why is that? Why is that so important? Um, no, you can't. And I, I did more research on this area just because in Baptist life, and also because I know Alex is going to hold me accountable on this. <laughs> in Baptist I life. I find a way to talk about missions. Yeah, I know. Yeah. I know. Um, in Baptist life, we can often fall into the mindset that we give to the Southern Baptist Convention. Yeah. We give to the cooperative program. They do missions for us. Right. Yeah. We outsource. Um, we, yeah. you know, may have a special emphasis every once in a while and, and pray for missionaries, and that's really all that, that we need to do. Um, so I went last night and just kind of was looking at a few different Bible verses to, to bring and show that there's at least three functions that the local church is responsible to perform in regard to missions. And the Hmm. first one is one that Alex has talked to me about here recently, and that is the local church is supposed to send missionaries. Um, So I looked at Acts chapter 13. I'm just going to read uh, verses 1 through 3. Now there were at Antioch and the church that was there, prophets and teachers, Barnabas and Simeon, who was called Niger, and Lucius of Cyrene, and Manaean, who had brought or who had been brought up with Herod the Tetrarch, and Saul. And while they were ministering to the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, Set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. Then when they had fasted and prayed and laid their hands on them, they sent them away. So that tells me the church is supposed to be identifying the people yeah. that are gifted to be missionaries. Yeah. Um, and we're supposed to be actively involved in that process of, of shepherding them not only as we would shepherd all of our congregants, uh, but with that specific goal in mind that you feel this call in your life uh, to missions, be it locally or globally. So we're going to fulfill the role that we're supposed to as a church to make sure we're identifying those markers, helping to grow those markers, see if there's any areas of weakness that need to be addressed and do that. One thing that's really shocked me about church life is how little involvement we have a lot of times in identifying in people not just strengths to to build upon but areas of weakness it's like we don't within the church that we have such a great hesitation to talk about the areas where we still have brokenness and where we're not everything that we need to be um and and so it's it's essential and, and that goes to any calling into the ministry be it missions or eldership or deacons or whatever um working to that end of, hey, if you feel this call on your life, then there's going to be identifying markers there and the church is here to see that those are there and to make sure that they're they're flourishing and they're growing. Yeah. Um, and then the second one is, is to f- support financially. And again, I think a lot of times we can use that as a crutch and we don't want to do that. We also don't want to minimize the importance of that. Yeah, uh, Not everyone is called to actually go. Now we're all called to be uh, missionaries in terms of evangelism, and we're all called to support missions. Not everybody can go. Mm-hmm. 
when we have those that can and those that are called to, then we ought to do everything that we can to take the financial burden off of them and enable them to do that. And yes. so again, in scripture, we see Second uh, Corinthians 8, uh, Paul speaking, Now, brethren, we wish to make known to you the grace of God, which has been given to the churches of Macedonia, that in a great ordeal of affliction, their abundance of joy and their deep poverty overflowed in the wealth of their liberality. So here's a church that's struggling. Yeah, I mean, they're struggling and they're, they're investing in Paul. He continues, For I testify that according to their ability and beyond their ability, they gave of their own accord, begging us with much entreaty for the favor of participation and the support of the saints. And this, not as we had expected, but they first gave themselves to the Lord and to us by the will of God. And look at Acts chapter 2 and see how the church related to one another. The, yeah. the liberality of giving that was present there. Um, so there's certainly a precedent that's set, not to mention the command that's set, that when we have missionaries coming out of our local church, it's not something where we ought to just commission them and then leave them, um, but to continue to, to financially support them. And the great thing is, you know, you see the, the pain and the suffering in the churches of Macedonia, and yet they're still participating in that. So that tells me that regardless of the church situation, that's still something that we can do, even if it means that we're we're going beyond our ability to do yeah. so. Um, yeah. And then yeah, it's a Piper who says, with missions, you, you either go, you're, you either go or send or you're disobedient. Right. Those are your three choices. Yeah. yeah. And then finally, prayer. Yes. And again, that's that's no small thing. It's another one that we can use as a crutch, um, but that's no small thing. And you can see throughout Paul's letters, him mm-hmm. thanking the churches and, and exhorting them to continue to pray for him and, and those that were serving with him and their, their ministry. I'm going to jump in real quick because uh, in 3 John, uh, in there's only one chapter. Chapter 1, verses 5 through 8. I'll just read this real quick. Beloved, it is a faithful thing you do in all your efforts for these brothers, strangers as they are, who testify to your love before the church. You will do well to send them on their journey, and they're going off to to be missionaries, preach the gospel in other places. Uh, You will do well to send them on their journey in a manner worthy of God, for they have gone out for the sake of the name, Mm. accepting nothing from the Gentiles. Therefore, we ought to support people like these, that we may be fellow workers for the truth. That we may be fellow workers Mm. for the truth. And so when we're we're equipping them, you know, financially, but then also prayer, like you said, um, we are fellow workers with them. Those missionaries go into the unreached areas. And so that's really good. Uh, I want to, just say those three again. Three roles the church has in missions is finding individuals within the church to send out was one. Two, supporting financially. And three, supporting through prayer. And I think that, that's really good. So before we ask the next question, uh, let's take a break and we can finish this up on part two. And until next time, let's dwell on our infinite God. Amen.